Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show, the place where ordinary people become extraordinary by finding the path to financial freedom through entrepreneurship, side hustles, and passive income. We have already blazed the path, showing you how to retire early and have financial independence, so you will never work for someone else again. Successfully Unemployed, your place for freedom. All right, everybody, welcome to the Successfully Unemployed show. I am Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, and never have to work for somebody else in a nine-to-five dead-end job. I want you to grow out of that. I want to show you how to quit that J-O-B. And today, I'm bringing on somebody who created a blog. Basically, it's called a mommy blog, and she makes a million dollars a year in profit. Not just sales, not just revenue or anything like that. She actually makes a million dollars in profit. It's amazing. Now, I also want to show you how I quit my J-O-B, how I became successful unemployed. If you text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777, I will give you my free real estate investing course. My free real estate investing course, where I will show you step-by-step how I developed my business to quit my J-O-B and be successfully unemployed. So remember, text the word rental to 33777, and I will get you my free real estate investing course. And also, today, we're going to interview a fantastic guest who actually has a million dollar a year in profit business. And she is going to show you exactly how you can do it. Not how she did it, but how you can do it too. Show you the step-by-step process to do it. Now let's start today's show where we talk with a fantastic expert who has the website startupmomblog.com and has a million dollars a year in profit business with Susie Whitford. All right, guys, let's jump in today's show. All right, everybody, welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. And I'm super excited to have Susie Whitford here with us. She's going to be showing us so many great things. So Susie, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. I want to jump right into it. How do you make money to provide for your family, help with your family without having a just overbroke job? All right, so getting straight to it. So in a nutshell, um, I grew an audience online and I figured out what they wanted and I created online products and then I promote those products to my audience. Pretty much as simple as that. Wow, that's great. <laughs> How long have you been doing that now? Uh, four years and we just hit the 1 million mark in profit. In profit, not just sales, in profit. In profit. Brilliant. That is fat. Oh, can't wait to learn. <laughs> now, you didn't start that way. I mean, you had a job before and you were, you love Excel and you love like, numbers and stuff, but take us back to when you were working a regular job. And then when, you know, the reason why I call us, um, we're extraordinary now is because we found a way to be extraordinary and make money outside of having a job. Like we're always taught to work a job and continue to work in a job in a career and eventually, you know, retire. But you got out of that and you now have a business and now you have the ability to help people as well as make money. So talk to us about when you first, you know, you had your your job and then going through that process and the nervousness and all that stuff to actually start that business and go with it. All right. So um, I learned from my biggest role model, biggest example, my father. He is an engineer who was a civil engineer. So I studied engineering in college. Um, I 
didn't want to do civil. It was a little too hard for me. So I went industrial. Industrial is more systems, um, more management, more of a little bit of the business side of engineering. So I did industrial engineering and so did my husband. So that's how we met. We both did industrial engineering. We were on track to become, our dream was to be a CEO of a big company one day. So we did internships at Walt Disney World, at General Electric, at Toyota, um, really, really big companies to then pave the way to like go into management and a little higher and then get into one of the C-level titles. Studied really hard in school, both got our degrees in industrial engineering, graduated, worked for General Electric for a couple of years, um, interned at Walt Disney World. Then when we started deciding to start a family, I worked for GE from home. So I got that remote job, which I'm like, okay, this is phenomenal. I can work from home. I still have that fantastic salary as an engineer with GE um, until, and I did that whole my whole pregnancy until the, ba- the baby actually came. And that was a whole different thing. Like you can't really work an eight to five, even if, even if you're from home with a baby, like you can't be on conference calls, but baby's going to cry. Um, you can't nurse a baby and like talk to your boss on a video call. Like it's very inappropriate. So I decided to stop my job, even though it was a great gig being remote with GE and John continued working. So here we are, we're starting our family and I still have all that drive to work because I had that drive for five years studying and going through my career of being a big C-level person. And now I'm at home with a baby, which is fantastic, but there are pros and cons. And I'm like, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do to help John out? Because our family's growing. We're thinking about having another baby. We want to have a big family. How are we going to do this? Where he's carrying all the financial burden on his shoulders. So I started listening to, um, what is that? What the TV show called where they do stocks? Yeah. So stock trading. CNBC or yeah, CNET, another one. Yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to all the stock tradings on, on TV and I'm like, I'm going to be a stock trader. I'm going to be fantastic at this. Right before earnings come out for a company, I'm going to buy a ton of stocks and then I'm going to lose it all the next day, <laughs> which is what happened every single time. So I'm like, okay, stock trading is not going to be my thing. So I started like arts and crafts things. I'm like, okay, maybe if I just like do little arts and crafts, I can sell them on Etsy. Well, that's going to make us rich. No. Um, finally, I started learning more about blogging. I'm like, okay, I have skills. I am smart. I have created websites when I was in college. I was actually a teaching assistant for our coding class. So I help other students create websites. I'm like, okay, well, what if I do this? So I started going online, learning more about blogging. I'm like, ooh, affiliate marketing sounds awesome. Like you don't have to create the product yourself. You can recommend somebody else's product and make a good income from that. So I started my little Catholic parenting blog with affiliate marketing and getting traffic from Pinterest. And that started doing well. And my spirits were lifted because I was at home with my baby, but I was making a couple hundred a month. I'm like, oh, this is nice. This is cool. So my friends started asking me for help. I started helping them grow their blogs. They started making bank. And I'm like, well, maybe I should take these skills and teach more of my mom friends to get into this. And that's how I grew into helping other moms like start their successful blogs. And my students are making two to 10,000 per month. Some of them are making more than I am, which I'm super proud of them. Um, I'm like, whoa, what, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but so it's just phenomenal. And I cater just to, to moms because that's my audience. I love them. I know the struggles that they face. And um, so that's how we have gone from being corporate engineers to now last year, John quit his engineering job. So he was still an engineer working for Toyota. I was starting my blog and it was growing. And I'm like, honey, 
you either have to come and help me because at that time we now have three kids, like through the time of growing the blog and getting more traffic and building my audience, I had two more babies. So there's no excuse that you guys can't do this. I, if I can do this on no help at home, no team and being pregnant with little kids, you guys can do this too. Um, so finally I hit a point where I'm like, John, it's a little overwhelming. The blog's making enough money to support us. I'm here with all three kids. I need you to come home. And he's like, okay. So now we both work from home with our different websites. That's fantastic. Now, does he have his own website as well? Yeah, he has his own thing. He does tech reviews and I do blogging. Oh man, that is awesome. So I I love the freedom that comes with not working 40 plus, 50, 60 hours a week because you have, especially just being with your kids, being with your spouse, it's just so amazing. See, I invest in real estate rental properties. And so I was able to quit my job. I you know bought one property, then two, then three, and eventually got to 30. And I was like, I have... I'm losing money. Even though I'm making $75,000 for my job, I'm losing money. Let me quit. And so that was the best decision I've ever done. Now, as you start to learn how to build a business, so you started your own and you started doing affiliate marketing. Take us back to how do we actually figure out, number one, how do we start? Like, how do we find out what we should blog or have an article or website about? What sh how should we start that? The smartest advice I can give you is to start a website on something that people are already spending money on. Golly, like a big affiliate product that you know you could promote in your blog and that could give you great commissions. Um, one topic that I see is getting kind of hot right now is like portable solar panels. So if you have like a niche site about portable solar, solar panels or RV camping, um, tiny houses, the keto diet, anything that's hot and trendy where you know people are spending money, go into on one of those avenues. So you're not just blogging about your life. You're not, it's not a lifestyle blog. People do want to hear about you, but they also want to hear about them and what's going to help them. So focus on your story, but intertwine, intertwine it into how it's going to help them. Um, and then I would go after a topic that people are already spending money on health, love, money, relationships, happiness, time, any of those topics, people already are spending money in that. And then that would be a profitable one to go into. That's great. Now, a lot of people I've heard say you want to do something that you're passionate about because you're going to give up if you don't. Is, does that resonate with you? To an extent, yes. It's good to do something that you're very passionate about. But once something, even if it's, um, I don't know, portable solar panels, right? And that's that little website. I'm doing a couple of reviews on portable solar panels. Sorry, I'm starting over the word. Um, and I'm starting to make like 100 bucks a week. I'm like, wow. That's really nice. Like success drives passion too. Once you become successful at something, you're like, wow, I can do this. I am passionate about this. Let me do more of this. So it's great to do something that you're completely passionate about. But at first, if you're trying to leave your job, then I would do something that you know is going to be profitable. And once that takes off and is actually doing well and you can live off of that, then maybe focus on something that you're just purely passionate I think that's a great, yeah, that, that's a fantastic idea because as I make money in certain businesses, my passion grows for that business because for me, it's almost like a ga the game of business. I just love winning and I love doing things. And as I make money, I'm like, wow, I just served that customer really well. They so well that they bought through either what I'm selling or the affiliate. So that's, that's brilliant. I absolutely love that because I hear that all the time, blog about or write about or do this about your passion. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily like I don't resonate with that personally. So I really appreciate that perspective that you have. Now, from there, it seems like a couple questions come to my mind is, well, number one, how do we know what is 
number one right now in trend or that's that's growing or it's getting bigger and how do we know what's going to happen in like in a year from now like perceive is there a way to foretell hey this could be a really good niche to start now so i can get ahead of the curve i give you an example i have a friend she talks about succulents do you know what succulents are yeah 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 little <laughs> tiny little plants not not like every plant it's like a little specific oh there it's in the background so if you're watching it on youtube susie absolutely has a succulent behind her well anyways I interviewed this lady who's fantastic at talking about succulents and she was well ahead of the game. Like if she came out cause she liked it way before succulents became a thing. And now they're getting, they're pretty big now. Apparently you have one. And so it's now fantastic for her. So how do we number one, find what's going on right now, but then also how do we find out what's going to happen in the future? Golly. Okay. So finding out what's going to happen in the future is kind of hard, <laughs> but if you say I would take, maybe 10 topics that you're interested in, at least have some type of interest or you think, okay, people have been talking about it. Be out in the news, listen to what people are talking about, listen to what's going on, um, browse news articles, browse online and kind of see what's going on in the trends. Then I would go to googletrends.com. So, or Google, just Google, Google trends. And you can actually put in that keyword and you'll see if it's gaining traffic or not or if it already has spiked and it's starting to level down. So you can also see like seasonality. Maybe RV camping is just over the summer. It's really good and you're gonna get a lot of traffic then. Um, so using Google Trends is helpful. There is a keyword um, tool called Keywords Everywhere. It's very, very inexpensive. It used to be free, but it's very inexpensive. And you can actually use that. And I would search in Google different words that are in that topic and kind of see the keyword volume that they get per month. So see, is the search result zero or is it like a hundred, a thousand, 5,000 or whatnot? Um, so I would use those two tools to kind of predict if there's a lot of interest in it. Also when you're, cause I typically just use Google to see if something is trending or not. Cause that's where people come to search for it. Um, see if people have ads at the top of Google like if they're actually running ads to that keyword, it's definitely a profitable keyword and people are making money off it because they're paying to rank. So if there are ads, that's smart as well. Um, on the first page, if there are, if the search results come back uh, from high authority websites, then the competition might be a little high. If the search results come back from like forums like Quora or Reddit or maybe a Pinterest board somewhere, the competition's low and it's a good one to go after. That makes a lot of sense. And so Google Trends is something that I think everybody should actually look at because you're seeing the trends, but you hit the nail on the head, I think, also with seasonality of certain things. I was talking to another uh, blogger, another guy that had his website, and I basically came out to the one site that either he bought or was selling. I can't remember how it played out, but it was making a good amount of money, but it was literally in like one month out of the entire year. It was probably something around Christmas or something like that. The rest of the year, it didn't make any money. And so that's a great point is seasonality and understanding that and looking at the trends and Google is, they're great at giving you as much information as possible to help you. And so I utilize all that sort of stuff. Okay. So from there, it sounds like relatively quickly, we should or could be able to start making $5, $10, $100. How soon would we like if, and we'll get to like, you know, setting up the certain stuff. But I just want to know how quickly should we start seeing a little bit of income? It depends on how much content you create. So if you're starting a blog from scratch, your domain authority is zero. So you're not going to get a lot of search results. So Google search traffic is going to take about six to eight months. But what I would focus on in that beginning is just creating great content, 
10 to 20 to 30 articles um, as much as you can that's good and then promote that on Pinterest. So Pinterest can bring you traffic faster. Maybe social media can work for you depending on where your audience is. But write good articles so that in eight months from now, Google's going to start picking you up. So I wouldn't expect to start making money your first week. Maybe you can make like five or six or five or six, five or ten dollars your first month, but it takes time. But you you know real estate, right? So you buy something and it's it's an asset or as you do in real estate, but a blog the same thing. Every article you write is a, is an asset and it's growing. Don't just see it like I'm I'm doing this job, I'm just writing this article. No, that article sits there and it's growing. So definitely look at it like little seeds that you're planting, and then in time, the money that can come in will be growing and it's not just going to be five dollars you're going to make from that article more and more traffic is going to get to it and that will build on itself i've also heard people say like because i love the idea of pinterest we'll put text into it in just a second but when you have articles i heard a lot of people like neil patel will tell me you don't just write an article unless you get backlinks because the backlinks are the what you got to do and that's the way and they start going off and so but you're also one of the second entrepreneurs that talk about and teach how to blog is that really it's just getting good quality content and getting a lot of con content out there. Another um, another one was telling me 30 articles is like the bare minimum. And I was talking to a, a YouTuber who actually says, if you're gonna start a YouTube channel, 100 videos is the bare minimum. So it seems like that it, there, there's a lot that goes into having SEO and Google find, get people to find you. Is there any relevance or should we just focus on pumping out the content and Pinterest? Um, it depends. So every article that you write should have a purpose and not every single article is going to be an SEO article. So the reason why Neil says that your articles need to have backlinks is because he's the SEO guy. Um, and that's what works really well for SEO. But some of your articles could just be smaller, more emotional articles. Those do really well on social media and that can bring in social shares like the long SEO articles they don't always share that well on social. So it depends on the audience where you're going to promote the article. And it depends, then that will attract a different audience and traffic to your source. So I have some big meaty articles that I know I go after a keyword. That's my SEO articles. And some of my articles are more emotional. They're more me. It's more connecting with my audience, more sharing like a success story. And those do really well on Facebook and Pinterest. It seems like what we need to do is have a basically help the people that are finding us rather than saying, I'm just going to try to get, uh, quote unquote, game the system or game Google to send me traffic. Yeah. We really just want to be helpful. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And you want to connect with your audience on different ways. So some articles are going to be more emotional. Some are going to be shorter stories. Um, sometimes you're going to create an article and you're like, this is much better as a video. I need to talk through it. I need to relate to my audience. And then that can be a video on YouTube and or live on Facebook. Um, and then in those articles, I would link to your more in-depth how-to articles that then drive people to your courses, your products, or your affiliate links. You brought up Pinterest a little bit ago. How vital is Pinterest? I mean, it's, for me, Pinterest just gives me work. My wife looks at something, oh, I want you to do this <laughs> for me. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're banned from Pinterest. No more. <laughs> yeah, I know. Work around the house. These, these uh, you know, great things that she loves to see, um, you know, really nice, nice things around the house. But, okay, let me ask you. If I'm teaching about real estate and, and investing in rental properties, me being a guy, I'm like, I've never used Pinterest. I don't know if that's actually going to be beneficial. Yeah. Is that going to be beneficial for me to actually have Pinterest uh, helping people find about, about real estate and my coaching and all that sort of stuff? Gosh, so Pinterest is mostly a female audience. 
So obviously there could be a lot of females interested in rental properties and how to manage that. I wouldn't disregard Pinterest if you are teaching how to manage retail or rental properties. You could do that a couple of times, but the pins that do really, really well on Pinterest are like the how-to guides, the recipes, the fashion, the um, the cooking, the kids' activities. Very, very like visually focused. So if it's not your platform, if it doesn't work for your audience, if your audience isn't hanging out there, then don't spend your time on it. As a blogger, I encourage my students to focus on one traffic source and one monetization strategy in the beginning. And then once you have accomplished that one and you've like done well with it, then go to a different traffic source and a different monetization strategy. But don't try to do everything because there's a ton of strategies. They all work to some extent, but there's no way you can do them all. I think that's a great point. There are so many different things. Now, I have heard. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tying on with that, I have heard some people say, I think maybe like Gary Vee, um, he probably said something like, be everywhere. Like literally be everywhere. I mean, when you have a lot of money like he does, you can pay other people to help you be everywhere. Yeah. But if you're a mommy blogger or you're just you're trying to get your small business going with with uh, articles and stuff, what do you, what's your thought about using the same, utilizing the same content and putting it where as many places you can, but at the same time, not overwhelming yourself? Right, right, right. So... I think people get overwhelmed because when they hear say hear somebody say be everywhere, they're thinking like they're unique pieces of content. They're like, I'm doing something unique on Facebook, something unique on my blog and something new on Pinterest. Where if you do want to spread your content a little wider, then repurpose your content. Maybe taking a blog post this is what my husband loves to do. He writes a blog post one night and does a whole review. And then the next morning, he just records himself like walking through the blog post and comparing the two tools. And then it's the same piece of content and he repurposed it to be a YouTube video. In the beginning, don't try to be everywhere. Don't try to do all the social media platforms. It's just too hard and you're going to burn out and you're going to be overwhelmed. So I would take one or two and then in time when you master those, then take the content you've already created on your blog and repurpose that for that new channel that you want to grow. So I didn't have a big Facebook following for a long time. And I'm like, I'm not going to be on Facebook. Facebook is a time suck. I just go on there and I just chat with people. I'm not really producing any content for my blog. Like, I feel productive, but I'm not. So what I focused on in the beginning was just grow my email list. Hey, I'm just going to create these awesome freebies. I'm going to get people to my email list. So from Pinterest to my email list, Pinterest to my email list. And then once my email list was around 20,000 plus, I'm like, oh, guys, I'm going to do some lives on Facebook. And then I told all those people on my email list, hey, go like my Facebook page. And then boom. I got a big surge in my Facebook page and it started growing. So focus one audience, build them there, and then you can 
move them around to different places. And I think it's something that us as entrepreneurs, what we try to do, or it's not try, it happens. We start finding um, the shiny object. Oh, there's something that, oh, somebody says this is fantastic. Yeah. Like Gary Vee is always pushing his new investment. So if it's Snapchat, he just bought into that. Everybody go use this. Or if it's, I don't know what the next one is. Everybody go use this. And so you have to be on this. I can't remember. Oh, Periscope was one that came and went. Oh, yeah. And so- I mean, they're just, it's like, oh, you have to be on it. This is the reasons why you have to be. Anyways, I completely agree that we need to focus on the things I think, starting with what we're good at. And blogging and SEO is one of the best things. And then if you could branch out to Pinterest, branch out to Facebook, branch out to these other places are great. Now, I want a next step. We're starting to get traffic. We're starting to get find, people to find us through Pinterest, Facebook, um, Google, YouTube. We're starting to, these things are starting to work. Do we stick with just that 30 Plus, or right around those articles, or do we just got to keep pumping out articles? Or what's the next step to now start growing it further? Yeah, produce more content. <laughs> yeah, can, like that's worked for me. I continuously produce more content. I help my students more. Once you get to a point where your students can actually, or your readers can give you content. So you can send out a survey, like give them a question, maybe something in your, your niche, like you're doing keto. So you're like, what's your best keto tip? And that's what your whole audience signed up on your blog about. And then they're going to give you tips and that could be an entire article. Or you can interview one of your readers about their keto journey. So there's different ways of generating content that you don't always have to create it originally yourself. So yes, you do have to keep creating content. Um, it doesn't have to be as intense as the beginning when you're establishing yourself and you're creating a nice baseline, then it can, you can switch to like once a week, but you do have to continue creating something for your audience, maybe a video, maybe a quick live, maybe a blog post. Um, but you do have to stay in front of your audience for them to continue hearing from you. So what would be, a uh a general schedule, like let's say we need to, we know we need to do a video um, for YouTube or Facebook or something like that. We, we use that video. Um, and then we also have um, blog posts. Like, is there a schedule, like a roundabout schedule we should use? Yeah. It depends on what your platform is. I would create one piece of content on the platform, maybe a blog post, maybe a YouTube video. Um, if it's like a Facebook post or Instagram post, maybe a little bit more because they're much shorter. But if your channel is blogging, create one blog post a week and email your list once a week. Like stick with that consistently. Um, once you have that under your belt, you're doing well, maybe add a second blog post, maybe add a guest post, maybe add a YouTube video. But in the beginning, just stick with something that you can stay consistent with. So since the beginning, I started my blog, I've emailed my list religiously on Monday, sometimes Tuesdays when we have a holiday on Monday. But once a week, I email my entire list. Everybody hears from me once a week and I produce one piece of content. It might be a video that week, might be a Facebook Live, it might be a blog post, but depending on what I was in the mood creating. But one piece Got of content it. and email your list. I agree. Because over time, if you do it for once a week for 52 weeks, that's 52 new pieces of articles yeah. or content in one year. And just year over year, that's what I love about the online business. It compounds. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. What you did one year, it'll it'll be hopefully bigger the next year, uh, monetary-wise. Like It'll just keep growing as you're doing that. Now, I, you mentioned emailing. Now, I've heard so many other people talk about emailing. What's the important, not, not necessarily what's the importance of grabbing emails, because we know we can reach out them, eventually sell them products or talking about affiliates or something like that. But talk to us about the email broadcast as opposed to an automatic, like, let's create a bunch of funnel and actually have them go through the exact emails. Talk to us about, about what's your thoughts about those? 
Golly, so I have both. I have people, if they sign up, they get onto a welcome sequence. It's probably two months long and they get an email for <clears throat> every couple of days. So my beginning people, because as soon as they sign up on your blog, they're hot, they're interested. You want to keep engaging with them. So I do have welcome sequences for where people sign up so that they don't cool down. But I still email once a week to my entire list just because, golly, this it's more of an, I feel like it's more of a real connection with my audience. They see what I did this weekend. Um, they know this email is not part of the sequence because the sequence is very systematic. Here's the next step. Go to the course. Go do this. It's not as personal. But where my weekly broadcast is very personal, it has a lot of good information in it. Um, and it's more of a connection. And I get more replies on my weekly emails than I do in my funnels. Because I think my audience knows that the funnels are funnels. They're automatic emails that are coming out, very systematic. I put some personality in it, but it's not as alive. I don't know. It's that I, I think you should do both. That's a great point. I got so, I just love not having to do, I love making something automatic. And so I created like six months worth of emails awesome. and try to put as much personality as you can, but it's not like, I literally did this today. You yeah. don't want to say that because you'd be lying because it'd be a year from the, anyways. <laughs> um, but at each point inside the entire system, I have, uh, or the, the funnel, I have webinars, like three or four different webinars at any given point. It's like, hey, go check out this webinar, but it's an automated webinar, which is just fine. It's all great content. But uh, so from there, how do we then, monetize our list. Let's say we start to, we're growing. We have a lot of people that are buying into us or they they know, like, and love us. Like they're, they're like, this is who I want to continue to go with Susie. How do I then translate that into now, not affiliates, because that's something that's selling somebody else's product into where they buy into something that we are personally selling of ourselves. All right. So if you're brand new, you have your audience, you've never sold anything of your own online. Um, I would start with some affiliate marketing just so that you warm up your audience to like you're, you're promoting something. So you've obviously probably done that through your articles. They know about affiliate marketing. Once you're ready to sell your own thing, I would start with something small. I would start with a small ebook. Um, my audience loves printables, maybe a mini course. Start with something under $50 and warm up your audience to buying from you and make it amazing. So they're just like blown away. Like, wow, she only charges $27 for this. This is amazing. And then when you're ready to sell something that's a little higher, a little bit bigger price, then they're much more likely to buy that higher price item um, because you have already proved yourself in the first transaction. Do we need to create all brand new content or can it be repurposed from things that we have? Like I've heard from other places where if you have I don't know, a hundred blog posts and you could actually take maybe 30 of them, put them together and put it into a book. Is that good or is that bad? Good or bad. <laughs> so I've heard like people saying that they realized somebody repurposed a lot of her content or a lot of their content into their course or ebook and they didn't like that. So I would take about 10% of the product that you're creating. You can use from your blog. I mean, some things are just going to have to be duplicated because you've probably already taught some of the things on your blog or on your YouTube channel. So it's okay using things from your YouTube channel, but go deeper in your course or your ebook and don't repurpose the entire thing because you might get a little bit of a negative reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And so I so I have a, it's called the Ultimate Real Estate Investing System from beginning to end. You have no knowledge about anything, no nothing to the end, having a business where you actually have rental properties making you money, at least $250 a month per property. But 
in that, everything else that I give away for free, my podcasts, my books, my free courses, my content, that's all literally 10% of what you need to do in order to be successful. I can only give out so much for free. In fact, I can only give out so much, you know, because there's just so much to learn. And the rest of it is inside the course. So I completely agree that, you know, if you just repurpose what you've already put out someplace, I'm not the best fan of that. I would feel like I'm like, oh man, I just, I could have just read it on the blog. So from there, how do we then scale the business to where we can actually quit our J-O-B, that just over broke job? How do we scale the business to get bigger? All right. So you want to create that ladder, that value ladder in your business where you start with the freebie. We build the audience, we get traffic, they sign up to our freebie, our free offer. Then they send for the, they buy the small product, which leads into medium-sized product, which leads into maybe a bundle of a lot of products, maybe coaching, maybe a high-tiered um, membership. But you want to have that value ladder where somebody comes in from the bottom as a free student, then as a small paid student, you're building that trust. They give you $27. Then they give you $97, get upselled, or you get an offer for the course or the mastermind or whatnot. And then that goes to a higher level product. So you can't grow everything from small $7 products. You need something that is a little higher price. And as people go through the value ladder, you try to like help them and get them more successful. And that's how I've built my business from starting with lots of free printables to small products, to medium products, to bundles. From there, it sounds like we would need to have more traffic too. That if you scale what you already have too, is there any other tips that you can give us to scale even more? Golly, so increase your conversion rates. So um, there's a tool called Thrive Leads. I use Thrive Leads on my blog to test out my opt-in offers and to run A-B tests. And that really helps because one percentage different from something converting at 5% to converting at 6% is... 20 more subscribers per day, and that adds up to $500 more per month or more. So increase your conversions, get on other people's audiences. That helps to increase your traffic and increase your engagement and your reach. Create more products, run sales, add your product to a bundle. There's a lot of big companies that bundle online products together, and that could present you in front of a new audience. Um, and then... My traffic is not crazy. My blog's traffic is not like insane. I just convert them really, really well. And you don't need hundreds of thousands of page views. If your blog is niche and you have a really engaged list, you can use that engaged list and really help them and recommend the right things. That's great. I love everything you're talking about, Susie. It's fantastic. Your business is fantastic. Now, I want to jump into the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yay! I'm so ready. <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. So the first thing is as we quit our job, as we have, we're not working 40, 50 plus hours a week or more, we have a little bit of time that we can help the people around us or even help the world if we wanted to. What are you doing with your time to help serve and to give back in, in order to just help people around you? Oh, gosh. So um, to be completely honest, my three kids are taking up all my time. So as soon as I cut off here. I'm investing all my free time into my kiddos. You can see them. Oh, it's, it's kind of, it's awesome that they're behind me. Um, there's baby boy and my two girls. So two, four and five and a half. Um, currently that is my mission in the world to raise these little people to be amazing. And then one person asked me recently what I want to do for Lent this year. And instead of giving something up, um, I actually want to take my kids, especially my oldest to like a soup kitchen 
where we can be in the community and help cater to the homeless and those that really need it so that she gets a good perspective on what actually is out there and how the world works. I think it's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, you see, so everybody watching on YouTube, you see my the pictures of my family all around. And so, yeah, I love my kids. So I love to get to see the whole time I've been watching, checking out your kids in the background. There's just fantastic. So from there, the next question is, if you're going to give anybody any piece of advice, maybe a quick summation of how to get started doing what you're doing, what would it be? Golly, start with one traffic source and one monetization strategy and go after a niche where people are already spending money. That's pretty much it. I love that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay. If you were going to go give back, back and give yourself, your 13-year-old self, any piece of advice, it could be life, business, or whatever, what would it be? Oh, man, my 13-year-old self, don't stress out so much about what you look like. I <laughs> 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 love it. My prepubescent <laughs> self, yeah, like don't worry about your weight so much. That would be my advice to my 13-year-old self. My advice to maybe my um, beginning working self, maybe here at like 25 or 26, um, golly, I would start creating my own thing, even if it's just something small on the side. If you have a job, just create something small on the side. Start learning. Start listening to these podcasts. Start gathering that information because you don't want to work in a job that you don't like for 30 plus 40 years. You want to start creating something. What if it just makes $500 per month? What if it just slowly grows? Like I wish I started blogging 20 years ago or like longer ago because that small blog or website or podcast or YouTube channel that you're starting can just grow slowly. So the advice that I would give myself like 10 years ago is start something that you can grow yourself. That's brilliant. I completely agree with that. I love that. So from there, the next question is, what is one tool, one app, or it could be a pen and paper, a journal or something. What, what is something that we should utilize in our lives to make our lives more efficient or better? All right. So it might just be because John and I are on this keto craze right now, but not just keto. Cause I mean, that's a hard thing to change your, your eating style, but fasting and working when you're fasted is just this so much clarity. So we don't, we stop eating around eight o'clock at night and then we don't start eating again until noon. Um, and we just do like water, tea or electrolyte water, which is actually really yummy, um, until noon. But we have our mornings to work when the kids are in preschool and we're so productive when we're not thinking about eating or cooking or being in the kitchen, you just dedicate that time to working. And I work so much better when I'm fasted. So that's my little tip. It's, it's free and it's easy to do. So you do intermittent fasting and keto. That's Awesome. I mean, most people say pick one, but you guys, you're doing both, which I've done both too. And I just remember my clarity and I should get back on it, but the clarity of mind. Well, I, now I literally only eat maybe once a twice a day. So it's usually dinner and maybe like a snack at like three. I don't eat all morning, even when I go work out in the morning, just because I feel fine. Like just, I guess my body has a slow metabolism. It's just the way it works out, but I'm so much more clear. Okay. So the last question is what is one nonfiction book? that you feel we should read to put into our lives? Oh, man. Um, Caldini, The Influence. That's nonfiction, I've, right? Fiction, I've never heard of it. Fiction is real and nonfiction is not real. I always get confused. Nonfiction <laughs> is not, yeah. Uh, uh, fiction is not real. Nonfiction is yeah. where it is real. Nonfiction. Yes. Robert Caldini, The Power of Influence is phenomenal. I don't really tell a lot of people about it because it's so good, but that's an amazing book. 
The Power of Influence. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Well, great. Well, Susie, you've been fantastic. Give them so much great wisdom and advice. Hopefully people will be able to listen to this and say, you know what? If Susie can do it, I can do it. But at the same time, I want to reach out to Susie. So how can they find you? Sure. You can just go to my blog, startedmomblog.com or email me at S-U-Z-I at startedmomblog.com. That's terrific. Susie, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And I am super excited that you are doing such a great job in business. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, Dustin. I appreciate it. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders Membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me, and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources, and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. So you can see how you can quit your job, that J-O-B, by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successfully Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful, unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya. See ya.